Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 1, Morris Babes, Dance Like a Girl with Sally Bird, Part 2! You've made it to Part 2. Well, here we've got some more interesting conversations with Sally and we talk a little bit about the future of the podcast. I hope you enjoy. See you later. Now, I've, I've, I recently just kind of flicked through all the Dance Like a Girl issues because I knew there were things in there that I loved and remembered and I wanted to remind myself of them. Um, A.K.A. So, you're a student and have time. Uh, A.K.A. yes, I put more effort into this podcast than you do. Oh, who's, <laughs> who's putting the toast on the table or even the bread? <laughs> No, I've always got to take credit for doing his editing. Uh, that, that, that first episode is uh, a masterpiece with its weird little uh, melodicas and uh, strange editing decisions. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, going back to my, my Dance Like a Girl treasures, which is things that I've, I've really treasured in the issues. Um, issue one... I thought it was absolutely interesting to see that you were popularizing Greenham Common, which is a mass dance I'd never heard of. Um, because I, I think I've heard you and Ellie say, or at least express a, a, a mild, well, less than mild distaste for Bonnie Green. And I agree that there's, I think, is, is Greenham Common a hanky border dance? Is that correct? Yeah, I, I don't really know if it fits into any of the canons of Morris. <laughs> but it's a, it's a dance developed by Morris dancers, um, probably cross-tradition. Mm. Let's say border, because that's where anything that doesn't really fit in ends up. Mm. Well, regardless of the tradition it is, because mass dances, we always tend to do the ones that everyone knows. And then, you know, for me to be reading Dance Like a Girl and, and come across a mass dance I've never heard of, I'll go, well, why aren't people dancing this? Uh, why have I never heard of this? Why have I never seen it? Why have I never learned it? Um, it? It was really interesting. I think you have the notation of the music and perhaps even the figures and everything. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you're, you're starting the magazine as a platform for popularizing lesser known Morris dances and Definitely. you know um, trying to change Morris practices which is fantastic. Yeah, Greenham Common's a really interesting dance um, and quite fun. Um, I think what it has for me over Bonnie Green is that you genuinely never have to have had Morris dance before to know what you're doing because um, it works where everybody passes each other. Mm. And so in two lines, and then you dance sort of with everyone as you go past each other. Um, and I'm doing hand actions for those, because you can't see them. <laughs> hand actions to demonstrate that you go past each other. Um, and it's a dance that you can do genuinely with the public who have never seen it before, because I find Bonnie Green, although it can be a laugh, um, I think for some members of the public, when you get to points where it's like, and now you do this, and now you do this, and now you're going to go around, and now you're going to go back the other way. I've, I've watched people just fall out of the dance going, 
yeah no thanks or it gets too they, they sort of forget what they're doing whereas this one is really like baby's first marathon um, and i think it's also called the friendship dance it's an alternative name for it yeah it's a good one yeah fantastic and um yeah so talking about you know you seeing something that should be more popular in Morris or, or wanting to influence Morris practice in some way. We've, we've got a, a question from a listener, which I'll let Ollie ask. Yes. So it's great that we have contact from the outside world, AKA our wonderful listeners and our first ever question from the audience uh, is to you, of course, Sally. Uh, this comes from the Mr. Eddie Worrell. Now, um, so th this comes on the day when uh, when Dance Like a Girl published a statement uh, stating about how uh, we think festivals should approach uh, reaching new audiences and uh, new communities. Now, um, Eddie asks, how should Morris do that? And does it have a place in leading better practices in festivals or are festivals just commercial organisations who don't want to listen? Okay. Um, a big, big question. That's a big question. Parts. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'll start with just the general premise. So I talked a lot about in that post about um, inviting other folk dance communities within the UK to join us in dancing somewhere at an event um, for the public. So we can be seen next to the folk dances of other cultures and communities that live in the UK. Um, partly because I think that will just give us like a place. <laughs> when you talk about UK folk dance, and I hate to break this to the Morris community, we're not the only folk dancers in the UK. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think we need to sort of pay attention to that a little bit. Um, and I think in terms of getting festivals on board, I think it's really important that we start showing the interest because a festival might book a side, a book a dance team, say, oh, what did I like? There's a really brilliant um, Filipino folk dance which uses like bamboo to hit the floor and the dancers are barefoot and they have to dance through it. It's a bit like a skipping game. It's amazing. And it sounds weirdly similar to like Northwest of the way the bamboo makes the sound it's really strange um, and if they were booked for a festival and they were at a venue where it was free for the public to enter or at least one or two spots in a day um we need to go and watch them because if the morris community just goes well that's nothing to do with us and turns their back on it festivals aren't really i don't feel aren't going to keep wanting to book those teams because Morris dancers and sort of the UK folk scene are heavily involved, um, are, get the word right, are the customers and visitors to, this fest to these festivals. Um, so we need to prove that we want to see it to start with. Mm. Um, and a lot of Morris dancers organise folk festivals. I think that's something some of the smaller festivals especially, but they're usually, there's a folk, a Morris, member of the Morris community somewhere on a folk festival panel. 
Um, and I think if, if we took more of an active interest in the communities in our local area, that would trickle into folk festivals eventually because we'd be doing it as a normal thing. I mean, I don't, when it comes to how to contact them, that's where I sort of fall down because it's not an easy process. And it's something that, I mean, you might find some folk teams just aren't interested. And they're like, yeah, no, thanks. Mm. And that's okay yeah. because you asked. Well, in Peterborough, um, oh, I can't remember how many years ago, but there, there was someone had this initiative uh, to do this event where they had, yeah, they had Morris dancers um, in which they even contacted teams quite you know, distant, quite a distance away from Peterborough to get the best of the best uh, to attend this event. Um, you know, it was folk dance, but it was worldwide. Well, it was, it was the folk dance that is represented in Peterborough and the surrounding areas. So it was a day, you know, there was Morris dancing rapper, but then there was also Indian um you know, uh, Peterborough's got lots of Eastern European cultures and there was all of those different. And it, it was such a wonderful day um, watching them and being in that same environment. It, it's something I wanted to always uh, replicate and do again. Um, and, and, you know, Peterborough, Morris have done events like the Heritage Festival where, was it a Lithuanian dance group? Um, and they they were on the other side of the festival, but we we had, we had this initiative to join up. Um, you were there, Sally, weren't you? And, I was. And we we did a joint show together with them, and that that was really good fun because we. And then then you get this cultural exchange, don't you? You know, mm. we taught them Bonnie Green Garters, and they taught us something in return. And that to me, that's the only way that folk dance can truly advance. And yeah. And it helps them, like the Morris community, find their place. I think a little bit in in their in their local communities, mm. um, because you know we see this big problem with um, especially British people finding Morris dancing a bit embarrassing or a bit silly. Um, and I actually think it would help our status a little bit to be seen alongside the folk traditions of all the other wonderful communities in the UK, mm. um, because they're taken a bit more seriously. <laughs> And uh, you can ride on some coattails, that'll be fun. <laughs> um, but, you know, it it's also makes us feel part of the, the places that we live, sort of more generally. Um, I think Peterborough can be a really brilliant example because they have, or they had, um, like uh, Italian markets and like a Polish market, and there'll be a whole week of events for that community in Peterborough. Um, and I think um, at the Italian market, there'd there be like a little procession with an Italian folk dance team, similar with the, the Polish markets. And I think when it comes to us being able to contact teams like that, to start with, we need to turn up at their events. And I'm not saying turn up in kit, because that's rude. <laughs> um, but as individuals, just be like, oh, this folk dance team is having an um, open practice or they're having a show, we'll turn up and have a chat to them and you might invite them to your pub night socially, not as a dance team yet. And it's that small interaction that helps build up to something that might end up being a joint dance act. Um, but I think it's just a slow process. And as long as you try, <laughs> I think that's the best, best way to start. 
yeah i i completely agree i think the folk community can always be wider i think variety of dancers at dance house has got to be a wonderful thing i think the the more love and support we show for for more folk dance sides i think the healthier that all of our traditions will be in the future and, um, and it wasn't for me it wasn't morris dancing that really made me want to do folk dance Morris dance is lovely um but it was when i was like a quite a small child still in primary school um mum took me to a folk dance day at her work she used to work at a nursing home and each of the nurses did a dance from their culture and like these weren't professionals some of these people had to like google their dances and work out how to do them <laughs> in an afternoon um but it was really fun because it was a group of people sharing a little bit of their culture and heritage um and that's what really inspired me um to do Morris in the first place um, was because I just wanted to be part of a little folk dance community and you know Morris just happened to be the one that suits me best <laughs> and the one that's part of my culture. <laughs> so what I'd like to do is just uh, run through my little timeline of things I've loved in Dance I Could Go. The next thing I'd like to talk about is in issue two, you introduce the character Flowerbeard, um, which we haven't seen in the printed edition. I wondered, how is Flowerbeard? What's he up to? How has he been finding lockdown? He's, he's all right. Um, still got flowers in his beard. Uh, I think oh, we've now that. put in some some like substrate, so they actually grow in there now. They're not just like braided in. His Brilliant. beard's got long enough in lockdown that you can like pop a layer in and you don't even notice. Uh, and, and what's he been doing for a mask? How does that fit into his beard? Oh, I don't think he goes out enough. Oh, that's, uh, well, he's not ready I, for I, that I assume he's philosophically pondering the questions of Morris all the time. All the time. <coughs> um, I think what he's planning to do is, is, uh, is make the sort of, is to like um, weave a little one out of out of straw, a bit like you'd make a corn dolly. <laughs> yeah. So I I've, I love the concept of flower beard. We we have this character answer questions, which I don't know whether they were sent in or or you know kind of made up, frequently asked ones. Um, but it, it was always a, a highlight to see for me. You know, questions like uh, what, how should you handle your hankies? Should you, how often should you wash them? Should they be ironed? Uh, which is always a pleasure to see. You know, the cutting Morris questions, the really important issues. Oh, absolutely. You know, how you store your hankies. It's up there. <laughs> <laughs> Issue three. Um, and and the, these highlights from Dance Like Go, it's going to be very quickly clear that they're going to come from the perception of an absolute literature nerd. So uh, issue three is, I think, the first Morris poem, which is Dave Green's A Morris Welcome, which is lovely. I always love any poetry on Morris and, and see how it handles Morris because it's such an interesting thing to capture in poetry. You know, how are you going to do the rhythm? How are you going to mm -hmm. capture the visuals and the imagery? Uh, and it, it's lovely. So I, I really love that you've gone out of your way to publish uh, literary art like that. Um, issue four, we have uh, 
Tony Roberts's essay, What Makes a Great Border Dancer, which is awesome. I've, you know, it's lovely. I loved reading the essay because it's to understand what certain traditions mean to certain people, what is in their head when they think about the dancing, but not only that, but the history and the context. So when he writes What Makes a Good Border Dancer, all the ideas of how should you function in a side, understanding the tradition and, and what you're doing now. I mean, it's so interesting to me. Um, mm. I definitely recommend that. And in the same vein, you have Eddie Worrell, who provided our question today in issue six with his Northwest Morris essay, which um, I didn't remember this, but he makes the call for sides to take up Northwest as a second tradition, which I think is a lovely idea. And it's not often done because Cotswold sides often dance border in the winter. Um, and the only one I could really think of is Kingsman dance rapper, and they also do Northwest in processions. I think, um, or it might just be, it might just be clogged. I haven't seen them for a while. I think um, because Stephen Morris women's um, would dance either Northwest or a clog tradition, um, and Cotswold. Mm. That was always interesting. But the men did border on Cotswold. For reasons <laughs> i yeah, think they, they might um, be i might they might be i don't know if their sides changed since then i, I haven't actually like checked up on them properly <laughs> for a few years yes i know uh, uh king john's of uh, southampton are one of the teams but that they also do border as well as well as cotswold mm. so they sort of have two backup traditions as far as i understand i think <laughs> a border northwest team would be quite fun border North, it, yeah they go go together. They've got like a, a similar spirit to them. Yeah, well, am I am I right in thinking? Is it um, oh, uh, Iron Men wear clogs? <laughs> I've really... For those that can't sing, I just did a confused facial expression. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, know. I, I might be remembering incorrectly here. I really hope I'm not. I'm not particularly um, good at my teams. I'm but but um, well, the, the Witch Men when they started out doing border, mm -hmm. they they start in clogs. Um, well, Eddie actually makes the argument that you don't need to wear clogs because traditional teams, uh, some traditional teams didn't, um, just in normal shoes. And I think, so it's really interesting, a side that does three traditions is perfect for a tart like me because, oh brilliant, I get to dance all the traditions and I don't even have to go somewhere else. Um, but it really interesting idea for me because I've never, apart from doing an Elston workshop at Sidmouth, I've never learnt or danced Northwest, so maybe I, maybe I can convince a side, but uh, I won't put my hopes on it. Um, and then obviously uh, we've got Sam Davies' short stories, we've got a, a horror short story in issue six, The, the Tithe t Taker. Um, which I think was a Halloween issue, Ooh, which was. was awesome when it came out. Absolutely loved it. It's such talent. Um, and we've got a follow-up story, issue 10, which isn't a follow-up story. I don't know why I said that. But uh, if I can pronounce this right, the... Oh, how do you pronounce that? The Witcher Dancers, I think. Could be wh wh the Witcher Dancers. Yeah. 
which again is a really interesting moral story, but from the from the perspective of um, the climate issues, I believe. Uh, so just looking back over my choices of things that I've loved at Dance Like a Girl, it's obviously things like essays, stories, poems. And what I love about Dance Like a Girl is if you had someone who loved visual art, there would be loads of visual art to enjoy. There are things like recipes, um, all sorts of things. It's always been had a running vein of humour uh, throughout, which is, you know, look going back and think, oh, these are actually really funny. Um, I think one of my favourites was um, my mum did a wonderful event review. We don't really do traditional event reviews. We either do photo collages or similar to what my mum has wrote for us, which is Sue Bird. Um, and she did the Potty Morris Festival from the point of view of our dog, Inca. <laughs> so all of, the, all of the festival was from the dog's point of view. Um, and our dog loves Morris dancing. She will, she will run towards a melodeon, as Peter Bramoris well know. <laughs> yep, we were at the Heritage Festival. Uh, Inca was across the square, I think sat down at a cafe probably hooked up to a chair or table, started playing Melodeon and suddenly a, a chair or table starts being dragged across Peterborough City Centre because she wants to see the Morris dancers. Her favourite thing about Morris dancers is the teams wear the same kit so she knows which humans she has to round up. <laughs> I think that's her favourite thing because if we're to dance out with her, she'll like get the group, okay this is the group, and then if we go to a, move on to a new spot, when you get to the new spot, she has to say hi to everybody in turn, as if she's counting us all back in. <laughs> She'd be the best squire. <laughs> well, there you go, squires. All you need is, is a cockapoo. Keep your side in check. Buy a cockapoo today. Morris Babes, sponsored by cockapoos. Right, so the, yeah, the point I'm trying to make is whatever sort of person you are, whatever your interests are, I think there is something for everyone in Dance Like a Girl. And it's, it's so lovely to have such a variety of things included. And so what I wanted to ask you is what advice can you give to starting zines wanting to create an environment that breeds creativity and originality? Okay. Um... <laughs> So, my starting advice is keep it simple. So, like, when it comes to design, just be really simple. Um, you know, choose, like, two fonts. And I, I found colour quite difficult early on, so I just made everything in black and white. Because <laughs> that's, for me, the easiest. Because I didn't want pages where the colours didn't look balanced. So I just got rid of them. Um, and now we're in print. I can do colour, which is quite nice. Um, and just be really honest about what you're doing to the people that might want to write for you. Um, and, you know, I always found that some months are really hard to get submissions. Just be ready to write your own content and try and balance it out. So if, if you want to do a visual art scene, that's fine. There are people that really want that. 
I think it's just having an idea in your head of the sort of things you want to collect. Um, I come from a museum background, so <laughs> collecting and curating things is something that I've sort of been trained to do and I've brought quite a lot of that into how I run the zine. Um, but in general, when it comes to collecting articles, just keep your eye out for what's going on in the community that you want to represent with your zine. Um, I, know, I know what your values are, which is why I started off with that very impactful feminist um, first issue. It's because I wanted to be really clear that these are the values of this, this zine and this is what I want every issue to represent. Um, and I think that makes it easier for people reading it, knowing what the hell you're on about when you suddenly switch from serious Morris history article to um, think of a comedy piece that you've done. The, the urinal Morris. <laughs> the theme. You can only get that balance right if your audience is expecting it. Because if mm. you put yourself out there as a super serious magazine, if you print something that's just silly, <laughs> doesn't... <laughs> People aren't expecting it and they won't react as well to it. So yeah, just know, know what you want and the intention you have behind it and it'll happen. Do mm. things and things happen. <laughs> well, I think you've done such a great job with the magazine. I think it's, it's something that we all love and that's why we're here talking about it. And I think that it's, it's just such a success. It's been lovely to see. So. Thank you for, for doing such a good job of it. No problem. I have to say, um, the, the strong group of friends that has developed around Born Borderers and Peter Morris and um, our sort of core group that in my head are the, the sort of governing body of Dance Like a Girl. There's, there's me, the editor, and then I, I turn back to my friends to be like, is this cool? Do you like this? What's going on in your life? Um, and, and I think I mean, Morris Babes wouldn't have happened without you and Ollie, because however much I wanted to do a podcast, I couldn't bear listening to myself <laughs> long enough to edit it and put it out into the world. Um, so yeah, it's just having a core group of people that you know are going to help you, um, regardless of their skill set. I mean, Ellie, my sister, and Catherine wrote an article about how many calories are in different drinks, and therefore how many Morris dances you would need to do to burn off those calories. Is knowing what being able to identify what people's skills are, I think, and friends are good. Yeah, absolutely. We were going to do a Connor's Confessions this week, but it looks like we are not. So instead, I'm calling out to you, listeners do you have confessions to submit to Morris Babes to be read out anonymously? So, what happens is you send in a confession. I will read it on the feature Connor's Confessions and you will be judged by whatever guest we have on. Will we deem you a horrible person? Will we forgive you? Send them in anonymously, well not anonymously, but we won't use your name, uh, to, uh, so we'll know who you are. <laughs> Unless it's really bad and like we have to no, say. send in, if they're really bad, send <laughs> them in to dancelikeagirl.podcast at gmail.com and again, we just want to hear from you whatever you have to say. Now, um, now we've got Sally here and we haven't got a confessions this week. So Sally, 
can, can can you just sort of rate last week's last time's confession? I think last week's confession was really brave. <laughs> <laughs> really, really brave to admit that that had happened. Um, yeah. yeah, you know what's weird is is one of the judges um, commented something about it, and uh, I thought Open Morris, who I don't know if they've listened to this, but. Uh, I expected them to maybe enjoy it most, and I haven't heard a thing, so uh, perhaps I've been put on some sort of blacklist. Uh, more on that later when I find out if, if I'm still welcome around Open Morris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll have to send you one of my confessions in. Yes, so, yeah, please do send your horrible confessions in. You might end oh. up making me look a bit better. And Connor, what is the email address? I have said the email address. It Did is like a girl dot podcast at gmail dot com. Don't need to say it again. Don't don't don't. I'm not your monkey, Ollie. I'm not. Sorry, dance. sorry to be honest, I wasn't listening. That bodes well. That bodes well. Yeah, that does, doesn't it? Well, that that segues into uh. So we we. Well, it doesn't segue at all. I'm just going to say, pubs are now open. It's, it's doubly hard to get guests for the podcast because they've gone and walked down to the pub. Um, but one thing that is a is a good thing is that we've been sponsored by Pork Scratchings. Pork Scratchings. The pubs have been closed. No one's been eating them, and they've been there waiting <laughs> for this time. But the pubs are open again. Go and show Pork Scratchings some love. They have always been there for us, man's best friend, and now we can be reunited. Pork Scratchings sponsors Morris Babes. Sally's shaking her head in absolute disgust. Well, I, I suppose we could also say mini cheddars. Um, no. No? No. Scampy fries? No. No? No. This, this week's episode is exclusively <laughs> cockapoos, McDonald's, McDonald's, and Pork Scratchings. So go to your pub. <laughs> take, take a cockapoo with you. Have... Have a romance with a pork scratching. And don't get skin irritation. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to do that, actually. You sent me the text saying, yeah, this episode is sponsored by pork scratching. So I thought, nah, he's not going to say that. Boom. Right. Well, that's been a really lovely podcast, Sally. Thank you so much for joining mm. us. It's Thanks been a wonderful experience. And I hope that you'll join us again in future to talk about things and stuff and stuff. I'm always up to talking about stuff and things. There's two <laughs> topics that are really close to my heart. <laughs> well, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. And uh, absolute... What? What, Ollie? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I was going to keep going, yeah. Uh, I've lost my train of thought now because you've started making a squeeze box. Just as I mean. I hope this is this is an uh, ever-building outtakes folder. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 they keep, yeah, I forgot the outro, yeah. <laughs> Can we just end it with, I forgot the outro, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Da, 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 da. Good luck, Ollie. You this is to too much it. editing for two days. <laughs> I've got two days to edit this. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so I'm really proud of our second episode. We've made it 
for a second instalment. Thank you all for joining us once again. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's so close. It's so close. Thank you all for joining us on our second episode, the second instalment of Morris Babes. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to Sally. And so it's goodbye from all three of us. And keep, keep dancing, dancing, babes. babes. Hey! We say it, say goodbye. Bye. Oh, is that it?